Thank you very much, guys. How about another round of applause for our band? It's the Hope CC Music Factory. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. That was great today. And thank you all for being here. This is a special day in the life of our church. We're going to be celebrating baptisms in a little bit. And uh, for those of you who have been around Hope for a while, you know that we don't do a whole lot of um, rituals, I guess you could say, or ritualistic things in our church. We don't do a lot of those, but there are a couple that we do observe. And the couple that we do observe are because Jesus commanded us to. And so baptism is one of those. Uh, last Sunday... Uh, for those of you who are here, I gave a breakdown of what baptism is and what it was all about, and I told you the story about the very first mass baptism that took place in the book of Acts. And then over the course of the week, I had some questions come up about baptism. Some of you sent me emails, or there's some questions that came up, and that was great. That's just what I was hoping would happen. And so my objective here this morning, what I'd like to do, is I would like to recap for you what baptism is, and then tell you another story about a baptism that takes place, another true story, an actual historical event that took place. And hopefully, as I explain this, some of those questions that you may have had about baptism will be answered. And so last Sunday, we looked at this thing that took place, and we looked at the book of Acts chapter 2, and what happened there was uh, the, the first followers of Jesus, they stood up, and Peter was there, Peter, one of those first followers of Jesus, they stood up, and they preached to this large group of people, thousands of people had gathered together, it was a whole group of Jewish people, they were there in Jerusalem, they were celebrating uh, this festival that we call um, Pentecost, this harvest celebration, and while they're all gathered there, the Holy Spirit just spoke through Peter and spoke these words, and just, he did this thing that we now would call preaching the gospel. Gospel. He preached the gospel to the thousands of people who were gathered there. He explained to them all about Jesus. At this point in history, Jesus had been crucified. He'd risen from the dead and had been about a little less than two months since his crucifixion. And so Peter stands before this crowd and explains to them, here's what happened. God sent us the Savior that we've been waiting for. And the Jewish people, the Israelites, they were waiting for a Savior. And Peter said, yeah, God sent us that Savior. He sent us that Messiah. And we had him put on a cross. And so the people who heard this, they were convicted. It wasn't because Peter was such a powerful speaker. It was because they heard the truth. They realized the truth through the Spirit of God. And they realized that, wow, God really did send His one and only Son into the world. And we put Him on a cross to die. And they said, Peter, and the Scripture tells us they were cut to the heart. They were pierced to the heart. And they said, Peter, what are we going to do? What can we do? And Peter says, repent. We talked about that repentance thing last week a little bit what that means, and there's a lot of different ways to define repentance, but we talked about repentance as this spiritual death and rebirth. I'm going to be done with what I was. I'm going to be done with the old. I'm going to become something new now. And so Peter says, repent and be baptized. Repent and then observe this ceremonial washing ritual. And so the Jewish people, they were familiar with the concept of the ceremonial washing or the baptism, as we call it. They were familiar with that concept. It made sense to them. They had seen this kind of thing unfold in their lives before. Before Jesus came into this world, if a person was, was not Jewish, if a person was not of the nation of Israel and they wanted to become Jewish, they would go through a process, and part of that process included this ceremonial washing. And so they knew about ceremonial washings. And then John the Baptist comes along, he puts his own spin on this ceremonial washing, and he does these baptisms also. And so the Jewish people, they understood the concept of the ceremonial washing. And so thousands of them were baptized on that day. And so what they had done is the baptism, it was just the outward sign of an inward change. These are people who had said yes to Jesus. These are people who had received the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, and they were baptized. And so these people, that, the first group of people that, Jesus, uh, that Peter preached to, that first group that was there on Pentecost, they had all this history. 
They had all this, this, this knowledge. They had this understanding of what, of what God had done in the old, what we call the Old Testament, and how the God of Israel worked through the people. They understood about a coming Savior. So they had some context, okay? So Jesus, even though he was mysterious, he kind of made sense, this Messiah. They had context. They understood that. And so we take that story. They take that event of the very first big old baptism event, and we contrast this with the story that we read about in Acts chapter 8, a little bit later on in the book of Acts. And we see this encounter that takes place between Philip, one of the disciples, and a man referred to as a eunuch. Okay, so he was an Ethiopian eunuch. I don't know why we needed to know that he was a eunuch. Feels like too much information for me. Can't we just call him the Ethiopian? I'm going to call him the Ethiopian. And so there was this Ethiopian man, and somehow he had come upon or he had acquired the scroll of the book of Isaiah. He had this book of Isaiah. He had the scroll, and he was reading it, and he was reading it. Maybe he was reading it aloud. We're not sure, but it seems like Peter overhears this. Maybe it was the Spirit of God, or, or I'm sorry, not Peter, Philip. Uh, um, he either overheard this Ethiopian man reading it, or he just knew in his spirit, okay, this man is reading from the book of Isaiah. And so this man, who was an Ethiopian, not an Israelite, not somebody who had context and knew about the God of what we call the Old Testament. He didn't know about the God of the Jewish people. He had just somehow happened upon this scroll. Maybe he was investigating the God of the Jews. Maybe he'd heard some things about this God and thought, well, maybe this God really is the one true God. And so he's looking for information, and he's given a copy of the scroll, and he starts reading Isaiah. And Isaiah is a book of prophecy explaining Jesus, explaining how God was going to do this thing of saving all people from their sins. And so he's reading this, and Philip comes up to him and says, Hey there, I see that you're reading the book of Isaiah. Do you understand it? And he says, No! How can I understand this? I have no context. How can I understand this if no one explains it to me? And he says, This guy Isaiah, what is it? was he talking about himself? Or was he writing about someone else? And Philip says, well, I can answer that question. And Philip begins to preach Jesus to him. I believe that's what's in your bulletin there. It says he, he's preaching. He's preaching the story of Jesus. He's giving, there it is, verse 35, preach Jesus to him. He's giving him what we call this gospel, this good news, this message of what God has done. And so here's somebody for the first time. They didn't spend their whole you know, history growing up in the Jewish faith, right? They didn't know about the Messiah. They didn't know about any of that stuff. They were new learning about the God, uh, the, the one true God for the first time, learning about how much God loves us. And then we don't know exactly what Philip said, but it's probably something like this. Probably said, listen, my friend, Ethiopian man, God loves the world so much. And so he came into the world through Jesus Christ. God sent his one and only son into the world to do something for you and for humankind that we could not do for ourselves. God sent Jesus into this world to pay off a debt that we owe God because we're imperfect beings. We're sinful beings. And so God, because he loves us, he wants to be reunited with us. He wants to have us joined together with him forever in heaven when we die. He wants that for us. But it couldn't be. We couldn't save ourselves. And so God intervened into human history. He sent Jesus into the world to do this strange, wonderful thing. And Jesus died. He was sinless. And he died on the cross in your place, Ethiopian man, and in my place and in all of our place. He did that for us. And everyone, everyone who can accept this hard-to-accept gift, everyone who can accept it will receive eternal life. And when you receive that gift, when you accept that gift, then you are baptized. Something along those lines is what Philip would have preached. And then verse 36 says they went along the road, so he's understanding the gospel, he's receiving this, he's believing it. And this, that, that's miraculous. Again, this guy, with no, I don't understand, with no context, says yes to Jesus. Wow. 
And then as they're traveling along the road, they see some water. He says, well, well, why shouldn't I be baptized? What prevents, look, water, look at that. There's an exclamation point. Look, water. What prevents me from being baptized? I believe this. Why can't I do it right now? All right? Why shouldn't I be? Good question. And Philip responds, well, you believe all these things? Yes, I do. Well, then let's, let's do this thing. <laughs> and so we don't know what kind of water they found. Was it, like, was it a body of water? Was it some rain puddle? Was it raining at the time? We don't know. And so they get some water, and they do this ceremonial washing in front of whoever was there. Maybe it was just, you know, whoever he was riding with, whoever this Ethiopian man, whoever was in his party. Maybe there was a town of people gathered. Maybe it was just two people. Maybe it was just before Philip and God. Whoever was there, they go through this public ceremony, this public washing. Can you imagine being one of the Ethiopians traveling with this man? He's like, why are we stopped? What's he, what is this guy doing in the water? Why, why, is, why is this happening? What a powerful testimony to the rest of the people he was traveling with if they were there. And so that's what happens. And so... Everyone who goes through this thing of, of receiving Jesus as their Savior, everyone who follows it up with this baptism ritual, we understand in part, right? We understand in part what God has done for us. We understand the sacrifice in part. But then we accept that gift of salvation. And then we grow after we accept that gift. We grow into our understanding of what exactly it is Jesus has done for us. And so the question that I have for you today is why shouldn't you be baptized? Why shouldn't you? No, should I get baptized? Why shouldn't you be baptized? Take the same attitude of that Ethiopian man. If you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, why shouldn't you be baptized? Last week, you remember, I gave you two reasons why you shouldn't be. Well, if you haven't said yes to Jesus yet, that's one reason. That's a, that's a great reason. Then, then that, no, no, do that. Do that first, right? But the other reason is this. If you've already been baptized, then that's the other reason. But if you've never been baptized and if you've said yes to Jesus, then why shouldn't you? Be like this, why shouldn't I be baptized? Look, water, let's do this thing. Boom, boom, boom. Yes, why shouldn't you be baptized? One of the difficult things, and here we are in the Christmas season, it's the gift-giving season, it's the season of giving, the the season of receiving, and one of the things that we Christians struggle with is, is we try to explain what it means to accept the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. How do you accept a gift that's not quite tangible, that's not physical, right? I mean, if I were to come down and give you, a, you know, an ugly sweater for Christmas, you could, you could make the decision. I'm going to accept this gift. It's a physical thing. You're handing it out to me. I'm going to accept it or I'm going to reject it. Say, Josh, you got me all wrong. It's not my style. Thanks, but I reject your gift. You could do that, right? You could do that with something physical. But when it's not physical, when it's, when it's not quite tangible, how do you explain? How do you receive that gift? Now, if you were to come up to me after today's, you know, service is over and you say, hey, Josh, listen. I want to pay off your student loans. If you were to say that to me, I, could, I have two options, wouldn't I? I could say, listen, no, 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 that's, that's too big. That's too kind. That's too much. That's over. That, I, can't, I can't accept that gift. That's my responsibility. That's my debt. I need to pay it off. I could take that attitude. Or I could say, wow, okay. <laughs> I'll send you the information. You know, I could, I could accept that gift, and I could say, you know what, in humility, and this is tough for my pride, but I'm going to say, yes, you can pay that debt for me, okay? And that's a lot like receiving this gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. It's the same kind of thing. You can either say yes or no. You can say, Jesus, listen, this, I don't fully understand the magnitude of what you've done for me, but I'm going to say yes anyway. Or you could say no. 
Because I don't, you know, whatever it is, God, whatever I need to do to get into heaven, whatever I need to do to make myself right with God, I'm going to do that on my own. It's my debt. I, it's mine to pay back. I'm going to figure it out. Thanks anyway, Jesus. But no, I can't accept it. And so that's the difficult thing. Will you, and that's the question I have for you today, if you've never said yes to Jesus, that's step one. Will you say yes to Jesus? This past Tuesday at Small Group, we ended up talking a little bit about the disciples and the first disciples and how they follow Jesus. And Jesus calls them onto this you know, adventure of life, calls them to be his followers. And when they took that very first, you think of that first step, that literal first step they took of following Jesus, they had no idea where that road was going. But they were willing to say yes to Jesus. Have you said yes to Jesus? Are you willing to say yes to Jesus? What I'm going to do here is I'm going to say a little prayer, okay? Now, some of you, if you've grown up in a church situation, you may have heard of something called a sinner's prayer, which we don't even really use that title anymore because it's like, what do you even mean by that? But there's a prayer that people say, and, and there are no magic words in this prayer. It's not a formula type of prayer, but it's just an opportunity for someone to say yes to Jesus. The first time that I said this prayer, I think I was like 11 years old, and I said, yeah, I don't remember the exact words, but I said yes to Jesus. And so what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to do this thing of rededicating myself to Jesus. Sometimes that's what people call it. I'm going to say this prayer one more time. And it's kind of like, the, it's kind of like renewing your wedding vows. Has anybody ever done that? You don't, nobody commands you, okay, once you get to 20 years, you've got to renew your vows. Nobody commands you to do that. That's not a rule. It's not a law. But some people choose to do that. And so for those of you who have said yes to Jesus, if you want to take this time as I'm praying, if you want to re-say yes to Jesus, if you want to do that again, you can do that. And then when I'm finished praying that prayer, I'm going to leave a moment of silence for those of you who would like to say yes to Jesus for the first time. And again, there are no magic words to this prayer. This is a heart thing between you and God. After we're finished this prayer time, you will have an opportunity to come up on stage and be baptized in front of your church family. That's what we are. We're in front of your church family. So let's take this moment now to pray. Father God, I thank you for, I thank you for the people that you put in my life who, who helped explain the gospel message to me. I thank you for family members and for, for Sunday school teachers and pastors and, and evangelists, and I just thank you for the people that, that spoke that gospel message um, to me. Lord Jesus Christ, I remember the day that I said yes to you, and I say yes to you again today. Jesus, I thank you for doing for me what I could not do for myself. I realize that I owe you a debt that I will never be able to pay back, but Jesus, you've paid it all for me. I receive this gift, Jesus. I thank you for this gift. I acknowledge that through your great sacrifice, I have received forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father God, I ask you now to hear the prayers of those who are saying yes to you, Jesus, for the first time. Hear our prayers. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence with us here today, with this right now, right here and right now. And so, Lord, for those of us who need to be baptized in this moment, please make it clear to us. Call us, Lord Jesus, and encourage us to go through this ceremony. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So why shouldn't you be baptized? 
If you have said yes to Jesus and you've not already been baptized, you have that opportunity now. Here's how this is going to work. Come up to this area and uh, 